Hello and welcome to Gentle Touch. This podcast is a place where people can learn, discover and upscale mentally, spiritually and emotionally. This show is all about breakthroughs so get ready for some good vibes, realness and lots of information. You will be joined by me, your podcast host Alejandra Castro. Some of the shows will be just me and other shows will have guests open up new perspectives and views. My passion is to inspire and educate people who feel stuck. I will show you ways you can improve your overall health by sharing powerful tools that you can implement into your daily life. Let's get started. In today's episode, we have Katie Rose. Katie Rose, Katie, where are you based? So I am based out of Tucson, Arizona. I love it. I love it. Katie, tell me about you. Tell me about your journey. Well, yeah. So I am a a naturopathic physician and I came to this career basically at the end of a long health journey that brought me to so many different doctors and specialists in my early 20s and finally a nurse was kind enough to pull me aside and say, you are too young to be headed down this chronic health journey and you have to see a naturopath. So I did that and it was life-changing. It was the first time that someone had really ever looked at me as a whole person and not just a diagnosis. And as I was working my way towards medical school at that time, I realized like I was burning the candle at both ends and I was working so, so, so hard, and I wasn't actually taking care of myself very well. So with that diagnosis um, and being able to see someone who could really help look at this holistically, mind, body, and spirit, I decided to make the shift into naturopathic medicine. Wow. And while I was in medical school, I came off a birth control pill. I didn't get a period for six months at a time and realized like, oh, there's still more going on here. And it it brought up this fear that I don't think I realized I had until that moment that you know, I might not be able to have children of my own. So that really guided me towards my current specialty, which is fertility. And that is where I have practiced for the last nine and a half years, is helping people get pregnant by addressing their mind body and spirit wow wow what a story I love it when we when we're when we're when slowly the universe will tell us right the path where we should go (laughs) yes and and it's just taking the chance to actually say okay I'm going to listen I'm going to check it out which was your journey wow which is absolutely amazing today's episode is going to be on holistic approaches to infertility for a person that may not know what is infertility infertility is defined as the inability to conceive so get pregnant after trying for at least 12 months if a woman is under 35 or at least six months if a woman is over 35 Yes, I, I love it. Yeah. Okay, so I love that you said the ages and and the trying and the period, right? For you, how how was your journey with 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 your so you came off the pill? How was your journey to get your period back? Cuz I know some some females struggle. Yeah, it was interesting. So I I started with my gynecologist because that was 
you know, someone I had seen and trusted and I was in medical school at the time. So I really wanted to try to use my insurance and she really brushed it off. She said, well, you're, you know, if you're not trying to have babies right now, like in medical school, then why are you worried about whether you get a period? And for me, it was like, well, because getting a a regular period is a vital sign of how my body is functioning. And I want to know that my body is functioning. If I'm not getting a period, it means I'm not ovulating and I'm not willing to be brushed off anymore. So her solution was, well, you can either go back on birth control or you can just kind of like wait things out, see how they go. And neither of those approaches have felt like they were for me. So I, I kind of, had to go out on my own I had some mentors at the time but I was also pretty busy with school and I just did all of the research I could on what causes irregular periods and what solutions were available one of my mentors was willing to run some labs on me that my gynecologist was not and so we were able to see some of the hormonal imbalances that potentially pointed towards PCOS and hypothyroid And when we started designing a treatment protocol around those hormone imbalances, I started to see improvements, not only with more regular periods, but skin clearing up, um, less cravings for sweets, and really being able to get my, my weight in an optimal place too, which was something that I had struggled with quite a bit, probably around my hormones as well. And, and it, it took a couple of years for my periods to actually return at relatively normal intervals. So by the time I was ready to really try to get pregnant, it took about nine months, which is still you know, longer than I would have wanted, but I knew enough at that time to surrender control around it. Wow. How important is surrendering in, in our journey to become pregnant? I think it is everything. And I know that you've talked about surrender on your podcast before. And I know you know, um, for the people who are in the midst of their infertility struggles right now, I just want to remind people that surrender does not mean give up in any way. It means release what you don't have control over. And in a situation like this where... It's not just about you and your partner, or in some cases, I have women who are single who are trying to conceive. Uh, It is this third party that you're inviting in here also, this third soul who is a piece of this puzzle, and we can't necessarily control their timeline and what they're here for either. Yeah, wow. That's, um, that's, That's so powerful that you said that, because sometimes we want to control everything we want to control the time we want to control how it happens when it happens so it's just like you say just being able to let go of the things we can't control I think is a sense of empowerment as well that saying okay I'm, I'm working with the universe I'm doing the things from my side I'm I'm becoming healthy I'm changing my diet but just knowing that you know because sometimes we we become so so we we want to control everything, even the last detail. And I think to a certain degree, it becomes unhealthy because we are in this whole, like we become in this trance and it has to be this way and it has to be that way. And if we receive advice, we don't want to take it. So it's just knowing that just, just letting go means that it's okay. And it doesn't mean giving up. 
How important is sleep in everything in trying to conceive? Sleep is really underrated. So I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to. They're like, I sleep great. And I'm like, what does that mean to you? And they're like, I don't know. I get like five or six hours a night. And they're functioning on that. They've normalized it. They're they're surviving. But sleep is so important because when we're sleeping, we're healing, right? Our body has so many different ways in which it goes around and repairs little damaged areas while we're sleeping and really helps our brain to kind of clear up the junk from the day and process information and even to some level detoxification is revved up while we're sleeping. So getting adequate sleep and by that I mean seven and a half to nine good quality hours every night ideally at the same time every night, is really important for your body to feel safe and for your reproductive system to be properly nourished because the reproductive system is is not really considered a vital organ as far as your body is concerned. You know, your brain, heart, liver, kidneys, those are the vital organs that your body is going to send resources to when it feels stressed and lack of sleep will lead to our body feeling stressed even if we're like, oh, everything's fine. No, if you're not sleeping, everything is not fine. And that's something that we absolutely have to work on. Yeah. And, and in, in the time and the world we live in, we are so go, we are so busy. We are like, yes, prioritize this, prioritize that, that sometimes we overlook sleep. So it's just allowing the body to rest, allowing the, the mind to calm down as well. How important for the people that know, don't know, what is a preconception plan? The preconception plan are the strategies we put in place before you get pregnant. And it's really important because, you know, both for men and women, we don't want to discount them, even though I know a lot of your listeners are probably the ones with the uterus and the ovaries. But that three months before conception takes place, before an egg and a sperm actually meet, that is when the egg is in its final maturation journey and we have the most opportunity to affect egg quality in a positive way. And sperm takes about 70 to 100 days to mature and it's no coincidence that you know, both of them are maturing on similar timelines so that, you know, say that there's a, a famine or war or something really stressful going on for a population, like those bodies know like eh, now's not the best time to reproduce. So if we can be very intentional in at least the three months, ideally even a year leading up to when someone gets pregnant, in getting them proper nutrition, getting them sleeping well, and getting their mindset in a really healthy place, this is what we would consider to be conscious conception, right? It's being very intentional leading up to the time when our children are conceived. Wow, I love it. That is so, so powerful because um, I saw in your post, we said, how long do we take to plan a wedding? And it's true, we take months and and depending on the location, depending on the family, depending on the locations where our family is and where we want to do it, it can take up to a year, sometimes two years, depending on the venue. So like you say, intentional and just setting aside that time, how are we going to do it? What are the plans? I think that is 
beautiful. At the very beginning, you mentioned about testing for your thyroid. How important is the role of our thyroid with the link towards fertility? Thyroid is incredibly important for our entire body. Every single cell in our body has thyroid hormone receptors. So when it comes to fertility, you know, our ovaries have thyroid receptors and the follicles, which is the structure that surrounds the egg and protects it and nourishes it on its maturation journey before ovulation. The follicle has thyroid receptors and the fluid that's in the follicle can actually contain thyroid antibodies if someone has Hashimoto's that's out of control. So both hyper and hypothyroidism can affect the regularity of periods, how often a period comes, how well someone is ovulating. And it's really, really vital for the growth of the fetus, especially in those early months of pregnancy. So if someone is kind of teetering on the edge of hypothyroidism and they get pregnant, their need for thyroid goes up by 30 to 50%. And if their own thyroid gland, their body cannot meet that need, the baby's not going to be able to grow well. And that can increase the wow. risk of miscarriage or fetal growth restrictions. So thyroid is extremely important. And that's why I am a strong advocate for testing more than just TSH, which is a commonly used screening test. But it doesn't, it doesn't tell us how much active thyroid is circulating in the body or how the immune system is responding to the thyroid. So I know you talked to your audience a little bit about autoimmunity before, but Hashimoto's is one of the most common autoimmune conditions I see in my practice with people who have infertility. And it is usually overlooked. It is very often that I am the first person to have tested their thyroid antibodies and addressed that part of the puzzle for them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes we, we overlook things, right? And it's just just allowing the time let's let's test this we have never done this what does the our screen checkup say what have we done um for the person that may look at um because i know your your approach is very holistic for the person that may not know they're just beginning in the process how can we describe holistic approaches to infertility and to the way like mainstream does it so i'll start with what the mainstream looks like right, is, you know, someone has started trying to get pregnant, maybe they're, you know, 34-year-old, they've been trying for four months, they're getting frustrated already, they go to their doctor, and the doctor's like, I don't know, you have to wait a year before we can do anything about it, because technically you don't meet the definition for infertility, but this person, maybe like me, has this gut feeling that something is going on that needs to be done differently. But what if they get to the end of that year? What does their doctor do? And they say, okay, we'll run a couple tests. And they're usually fairly fairly basic tests, screening for the thyroid conditions, um, just making sure that they're not on the verge of menopause, essentially. And then they might refer them to a reproductive endocrinologist who can run some further tests on the uterus, making sure the tubes are open. And from there, they might suggest doing assisted reproductive therapies like IUI or IVF, which are expensive, invasive, and don't really address root causes of fertility issues. So my approach is different in the sense that we do want to look at this whole picture. So from a root cause angle, are there hormonal imbalances, nutrition deficiencies, inflammation, 
blood sugar issues, autoimmunity, or these are there physical pieces of this or chemical pieces that we can be addressing differently. Um, from an emotional angle, you know, there are so many different issues that can come up surrounding this, whether it's, you know, like for me, the fear that I would never be able to come yeah. mother and like that anxiety and the stressful conditions that creates in the body that can create a block. Or if someone's had a pregnancy loss, they might actually be subconsciously very afraid to get pregnant again and lose another baby. And so even though they want it, it's like their fear is powerful enough to be blocking that. And we have to be able to acknowledge that, validate it, and release it before their body feels safe to move forward. So we're looking at this from an angle of more holistic assessment in body, mind, and spirit. And what I have coined as the reproductive safety arc as our, our treatment plan, how can we get you feeling safe? What does that mean for your body to feel safe getting pregnant? Because life wants to happen. Like we have a, a drive to reproduce. It's, you know, we have this evolutionary drive and we have this emotional desire that we want this to happen. And usually we can identify this block within the first couple of visits. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I love it because sometimes we, we look at what is in front of us. What does the mainstream do? But it's just knowing that sometimes it's areas that we need to touch on. How important is ovulation tracking? It's moderately important. <laughs> so okay. I, I want to make sure someone is ovulating. Like yeah. you have to ovulate to get pregnant. You need the egg yeah. there. But once we've established that ovulation is happening and we've helped people tune into what does that look like and feel like in their body, we don't have to be obsessively tracking. Yeah. Some people find it very empowering to track in a way that they know exactly when they ovulated. And some people find it contributes to anxiety. So oh, we have to okay. really understand what that person's needs are. Um, so like during the phases of my life when I was actively trying to get pregnant, yeah. it's kind of interesting with my first pregnancy, I actually had to, I had to let go of tracking because it, I, I found it was contributing to this anxiety of like, well, when's it going to happen? And with my second one, I had been able to shift my mindset to a place of like, you know, I'm actually finding it really fun and empowering to have this data. And I think it's really interesting, you know, if, if you're taking base body temperatures to see how the temperature rises after ovulation and stays up until your period starts, like, I find that really fascinating as a provider and for me with that second pregnancy. But we have to understand what that individual's needs are, too. I love that you said that because what what one thing may feel empowering for another may cause stress and anxiety so it's just knowing that everyone's very very different and what may work for one individual may not work for the other one because especially on, on your first pregnancy like it's your first pregnancy you don't want nothing to go wrong you, you we're holding it tight close to us and then and then now on the second one you're like yes like I know what to expect I have the experience I already have the little one this is round two so it's just knowing that even though it's there and, and it, it provides a lot of data a lot of information sometimes it may not be at that 
point it may not be the right tool because yeah it is a lot of information and as well depending on how we are with our emotions as well so it's just knowing that that we had the option of doing it there and there I actually saw your post which I really like it said uh, ovulation prediction and then we have one the ovulation prediction kit and then we have the cervical fluid change and then we have the changes in the cervix and is it the salivary forming yeah, yeah. so it's a very our bodies our minds are so interesting like if we can just give a shout out to how amazing bodies are <laughs> But the hormonal changes that happen around ovulation, including the rise of estrogen, yeah. change the structure of our bodily fluids, including saliva. So one of the tools that we can use to identify if someone is in their fertile window is actually having them use um, a tool that helps them collect their saliva and sort of like look at it almost through this, it's almost like a tiny little saliva microscope. And wow. when you hold it up to the light, you can see a ferning pattern. And, you know, just, just like in nature, like the way the fern looks um, where it's, you know, kind of curled around and it has this very symmetrical pattern. And outside of the fertile window, there is a much less, um, a less symmetrical pattern. It really doesn't have much of a, an organization to it. And so it's just it's fascinating the ways in which we can identify that window. Wow, yeah. On your on your journey, like on your on your own journey, how important was charting your cycle? With my second, it it was a really important part of my journey. It was really exciting and empowering for me to see exactly when ovulation was happening and seeing my temperature rise and seeing it stay yeah. up and with the cycle I actually conceived on, being able to see the implantation dip so the temperature that goes down right at implantation and then goes back up and it, you know, had stayed up past when my period was due, which told me like, okay, time to take the pregnancy test. And I, I just knew, uh, I just knew that it had happened. And that for me was a really powerful piece of data that, you know, I didn't have with my first one because I had kind of, I had gotten to a point where it's like, okay, I just, I just need to let this happen. Yeah. Like, however it's meant to happen. But with that second one, I was, like I said, I was kind of in a phase of like having fun with the charting yeah. and using the base of body temperatures and the cervical fluid. And um, that also, you know, having that for myself, I think was really helpful in guiding some of my patients in their charting journeys too. Oh, I love that. I, I love it because you have gone through your own journey, right? So you can speak from experience, you know, emotionally what a female goes through. How important is having an antioxidant rich diet? It's, it's moderately to very important, depending on okay. the person, you know, depending yeah. on what is, yeah. what is their health history? What exposures have they had throughout their lifetime that might increase oxidative stress? Uh, yeah. This is an area like, you know, food is such a hot topic. It's always such a pressurized topic that I want to make sure people understand that I'm, I'm a very strong advocate for balance when it comes to food. So even though it would be amazing if everyone could be getting eight servings of fruits and vegetables every yeah. day and, you know, not getting any processed sugars we have to be realistic about what we have access to. And this is where like 
mindset is actually more important in many situations than diet is. So it's important, and I think it's important people know like what can that look like in a balanced way without having to strive for perfection. Wow, yeah. Can an individual make? Yeah, exactly, because we are all on our own journey. We all have habits when it comes to diet. We all gravitate to many different things. What What's happening? What are the cravings? Are we eating enough greens? I saw on your on your Instagram, you're very into clear skin. How has your journey been with clear skin? That was that was really it was a lot. So actually in high school I had cystic acne. And looking okay. back, like all of you know, the PCOS piece makes so much more sense. Just no one was addressing the root. Yeah. But I was treated for acne as early as like fifteen years old with antibiotics. And then with birth control. Wow. And wow, antibiotics. I was on antibiotics for no joke three years straight. I was on cycling <gasps> for three solid years. I know the like the horror that I I look back at with that and just this is also like an area where I've had to practice surrender because like I can't control what you know yeah fifteen year old me decided to do. Yeah, I can only advocate for other people now, but um, it was it was horrible like to have like cystic acne is so painful and yeah. I'm fairly fair skinned so it would leave pretty dark. Marks on yeah. my skin and scarring if it if one ruptured and it would take like an entire month for one pimple to resolve because it was so deep and it was just awful. So when I came off birth control, that was one of the hardest parts is I, I just felt like my face was like a big old ball of grease because the birth control <sighs> had suppressed those hormones for so long yeah. and it took a while for my body to really like work out what it was doing with those hormones and you know in addressing gut health and liver detoxification and adrenal health and sleeping and learning how to eat in a way that helped my body feel safe all of those eventually led to my skin clearing up which you know now it's like I'll get the occasional breakout if I'm just really bad and go to bed without washing my face or something but Otherwise, like nothing compared to what I dealt with after coming off the pill or in high school before I started antibiotics. Yeah. And as well, like we don't know any better, right? So what if we're given something, we're going to take it. If people say antibiotics, we're gonna be like, Yes, this is the cure. Um, but it's just knowing that sometimes it takes a little bit of self discovery and things take time. The body takes time to heal, the body takes time to adapt to new changes and and different phases that we're going through, where it be we're coming off the pill, where it be coming off anti um antibiotics. I actually had another interview today and um she went through steroid withdrawal topical cream but it was absolutely horrific so it's just knowing that we are all on our own journey um and you're also into clean products how important is the products that you use like for it to be clean that's it's pretty important I mean our skin is our largest organ and when you place something topically on your skin it doesn't just stay topically it will get absorbed to some extent and so um, this is another area where like, I don't want people to get so anxious and obsession- obsessive about being perfect with avoiding yeah. toxins, but we can make a huge difference by just making some swaps. And one of the big swaps is using products that don't have fragrance in it because fragrance oh. are part of this class of chemicals that are 
that include ingredients from the petroleum industry and phthalates, yeah. things that are hormone disruptors. Um, phthalates have actually been shown to be one of the likely causes of our massive decrease in sperm count in the last 50 wow. years too. So when it comes to fertility, these toxins accumulate. And this is like a scenario in which you ask, like, how important is it if someone has yeah, an antioxidant yeah. diet? Well, if they've yeah. been using Bath and Body Works their entire lives, yeah. that's going to be more important for them because their detox systems need that nutritional support. Yeah. Um, so it's it's important. And I think there's just a few little swaps that people could make to have a huge difference. And then otherwise, just make gradual changes when you run out of a product, find a cleaner version. So using the environmental working groups, database, um, Skin Deep, and Think Dirty apps, those can give a lot of good resources into finding products that are healthier for your hormones and your fertility. Wow, I love it. Um, Katie, knowing where you are now on your journey, um, everything you went through with regards to coming off the pill, um, your whole fertility journey, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know Mm. that I would give any advice specifically because I think everything I went through was for a very good reason. Exactly. I would just, I would tell my younger self that it's all going to get better. Oh, that's very reassuring. There's a lot of love. Yeah, stay curious, um, stay open-minded, trust the intelligence of your body. Those would probably be my biggest pieces of advice to her. I love it. Katie, what is your favorite book? Wow, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that question, but I've got... The one that pops into mind because it was just like a favorite from early, yeah. early days of reading is The Great Gatsby. Oh, nice. I love it. Um, and your favorite movie? When Harry Met Sally. Nice. And if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? Don't text and drive. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, yes, yes. You're Not the first one that. One, but it's, you know, logical. <laughs> Yes, 100%. I love it. Katie, tell us about you. Tell us about your services. Tell us about your socials. Thank you. Yes. So I am most present on Instagram at Dr. Katie Rose. And you can find me on my website, drkatierose.com and brilliantfertility.com. I offer several free workshops throughout the year. So you know, if you're following me on social, you will hear about those. And you can always shoot me a DM. There's always going to be a real person behind the scenes there, whether it's me or my assistant there to support you. I love it. Um, Katie, tell us about your coaching. Tell us about your programs. Yeah, so I am based in Tucson, Arizona, but I coach people all over the world in fertility. I have the Brilliant Fertility Program, which is a four-month program that meets weekly to support people in mind, body, and spirit. And I do offer both one-to-one coaching and within the state of Arizona where I'm licensed as a physician, um, I can see fertility patients as well. Katie, say for example for an individual that wants to get pregnant but is unsure to see you, maybe because we're still under that bracket of um, what was the what was the age as well? Twelve months if you're a certain age, and if thirty five is where they make that distinction. Like 
at six months, you need to get treatment if you're 35 or over. Um, say for, for the individual that's like kind of shy and, and doesn't know, um, what advice would you give to them? You have to reach out first. I mean, you, you have to be willing and open to exploring your options. And this is one of the reasons that I provide complimentary discovery calls or you know, fertility strategy calls so that yeah. someone can start to see their journey in a different perspective and find out if we're a good fit. Because I realize that there's no such thing as a good fit for everyone. Yeah. You know, like ice cream, everyone has their own favorite flavor and that's okay. So I would recommend that someone or on the fence just reach out and see if there's an offering that's a good fit for you or if there's another provider who's a good fit for you. I love it. Say for the individual that, um, wh- when would you take girls on their journey? So say, for example, a, a young lady is still on the pill, is thinking of coming off. Would you take them at a certain stage or or, or can you get yeah, them from the very beginning? I love to start working with someone as early as humanly possible. So If they had any signs of hormonal imbalances before they went on the pills, painful periods, irregular periods, acne, digestive issues, we want to start providing a level of support at least a month before they even start coming off the pill. Wow, powerful. So it just goes to show. Yeah, yeah, so it just goes to show that at any point in the journey, um, they are more than than happy to take the discovery call to, to to work with you. Perfect. Katie, would you ever write a book? <laughs> um, it's so funny you ask that because there's been probably three people in, in my world who are quite intuitive, bordering on psychic personalities who yeah, have yeah. said that I'm going to write a book, but I I don't know. I, I don't see it this year. <laughs> Nice. If it happens, it happens. It will naturally gravitate. All the pieces will come together and it will just happen. Katie, would you ever uh, create a podcast? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. I love it. Um, Any more projects for the new year that our listeners can support you with? Thank you for asking. I My biggest priority is being able to support people in this journey yeah. of conscious conception. And I have a goal this year of supporting 100 people within the Brilliant Fertility Program. We had 42, what we call defy the odd pregnancies in 2022. Yeah. People who'd been told they had unexplained infertility, people who'd failed IVF, had five miscarriages before they were able to carry to term. So I, I don't necessarily work with people who are considered like easy cases okay. and I want to be able to support as many people as possible in their journey. I love it. My background is in healthcare as well. So sometimes in the clinics that I would work, I work in the operating room. So when I was in as a student, one of the places I would be put is the um, emergency operating room. Um, say for the theme, and sometimes it's um, miscarriages, right? So retained products, we have to remove the last. What can we say to the young lady that sometimes I meet young ladies and once they're married, it's like, yes, we want to have a baby. Um, and they're having back-to-back miscarriages and they don't allow their body to rest. What advice can we give them? Well, I would make sure they're in a space that they're receptive to advice because yeah. it's such yeah. a devastating experience. First off, that I think they just 
you know, they need to be emotionally held. And so just yeah. first off saying like, this is hard and I'm here. And, yeah. That's- and once they're feeling like, okay, I am ready for something different. We, we need to make sure they have a provider on board who is willing to explore all of the potential areas yeah. for why they could be miscarrying because it is, it's never someone's fault, um, but there is often a reason that we can identify about 50% of cases there is a kind of a genetic issue with the chromosome yeah. of the embryo that um, we don't have control over that. But again, this is an area where if we take three to six months prior to conception to yeah. really give the body the nourishment it needs, we could potentially avoid that situation from happening again. So. I I love that you said it and, and how gentle you said it because um some, sometimes I meet young ladies and um even though they won't admit it to me, it says in the notes, right? They are desperate to get pregnant. They have had five miscarriage um, in a short space amount of time. And and it's just knowing that sometimes we do need the help. It means just asking, even if it just means a discovery call, even if it just means reading, if even if it just means just tapping into certain things, changing your diet, exploring the opportunities that we do have. And just like you say, holding that space of grieving, holding that space of healing as well, because you are not alone and many females go through this um so I just wanted to say a great big massive thank you Katie for coming on the show and just being you and trusting your intuition and trusting your journey as well because sometimes sometimes we are put put in certain situations to learn to educate to heal to inspire and I just want to say just by providing this we you're reassuring females and as as females we can be very emotional beings and especially if infertility and fertility is a very big major thing for us because if we're not able to get pregnant we we as a female can feel um we can feel like failures so it's just knowing that there are people like you that provide the guidance that provide the love the space as well and knowing that we can seek help so I really want to say that I appreciate you oh I appreciate you so much too (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and found this podcast useful if you did be sure to leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and joining Gentle Touch. I'll see you in the next episode. Want to get in touch? Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Link is in the description. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're on. Stay tuned and keep listening. Much love.